Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am Greg Geffen, head of JP Morgan's North America corporate interest rate derivatives business, and I have the pleasure of hosting today's podcast. Uh, joining me today are Tom Pluta, JP Morgan's global head of linear rates and co head of North America rates trading, and Chris Palmer, the head of JP Morgan's firm wide LIBOR transition program. As we sit here in mid November, we are now less than two months away from the end of new US dollar LIBOR contracts in both cash products and derivatives. Over the past several months, however, we've seen tremendous progress as it relates to benchmark interest rate reform. Today, we'll talk about the impact of a number of recent developments, as well as several key items coming in 2022, and how clients can best prepare themselves for the transition. With that, let's dive into the discussion. So Tom, this first question is for you. When we last spoke, we were just about to get through the first phase of SOFR First. We've gone through a couple of phases now. Want to ask you, did SOFR First, in your view, have the effects that the market was hoping it would have? Thanks, Greg. Yeah, the SOFR First efforts were well-designed, I think, and have gone quite well. Just to recap what exactly this is, the Market Risk Advisory Committee of the CFTC, or the MRAC, along with input from the ARC, organized a series of, of three dates corresponding to three different derivative product sets, from which all of the major bank dealers committed to trade only SOFR with each other in the interbank markets and not trade LIBOR in an effort to accelerate the transition off of LIBOR. So the first date was July 26th, and that's where we tackled the interest rate swap market. And that went extremely well from the get-go, where the interbank volumes are about 90% SOFR with only about 10% LIBOR. So that's been really gone well. The second date was September 21st, and that was the cross-currency swap market. So basically, any you know, U.S. against sterling, U.S. against yen, Swiss or euro, cross-currency markets went from LIBOR to RFR, also in the interbank markets, and that also went extremely well, where almost overnight, those markets went almost to 100% trading in the alternative rates. And then the most recent one was November 8th, where nonlinear products, specifically Swaptions, caps, and floors in the interbank market went to SOFR first. And we're in the second week of it now. And it's running at about 50 to 60% SOFR, which we're also happy with. I mean, it's a, it's a more complex market. It'll take a little bit more time, but we expect that to go from 60% to rise quickly in coming weeks. There had been some contemplation of also doing a SOFR first date for exchange traded futures and options, so euro dollars. But you know, ultimately, that's not going to happen. And the reason for that is different from the over-the-counter markets, the exchange-traded markets, a different set of market makers. It's not the bank dealers that are the primary market makers for euro dollars. That tends to be locals, some high-frequency trading firms, some banks. So that effort really wouldn't have been effective in the same way. So that's not actually happening. But, you know, overall, you know, the dates that we've had, we consider them a big success. The percentages that I quoted are interbank volumes, not client volumes, but the client volumes are following and increasing over time. So the message is, is that the liquidity right now is excellent in SOFR. There's no reason for clients to delay if they have yet to be trading SOFR. And of course, you know we do have the mandate that by the end of this year, there should be no new SOFR business. So we are seeing the volumes increase, clients are coming along, and it's all going quite well. So Chris, JP Morgan has been in the news recently for leading a number of major lending deals in SOFR. Why is this so important and what does it do for the broader market? Thanks, Greg. Well, it really does help the broader market because it sets a precedence. And having had you know, hundreds of different conversations with our clients over the last couple of years, 
the first question that we always get asked is, you know, what's the market precinct? What's the right market convention for our lending market? And that's why we spend a lot of time talking to regulators around the importance of SOFA term rates. So the fact we now have SOFA term rates available, we've been able to lead a few deals that have made quite strong market publicity around, you know, what the right convention should be, how we incorporate a credit spread adjustment into these particular deals where the investors are happy to purchase those deals. What that's done is it's really moved that market along quite a lot. And there's no doubt that the lending market has been a follower to the derivative market. As Tom mentioned, the SOFA First initiative has been very successful and the loan loan market has been much slower. But that term SOFA availability now and the fact that we've now got publicly available you know, loans that are out there that, that clients and other participants, to be honest, other market competitors can also start to copy has actually been really, really positive. So it shows that JP Morgan's a leader in the market. It shows that our clients have an alternative now to move on to the alternate rates, which is really important. And it also has allowed us to create a hedging market off the back of SOFA as well. So from that perspective, we now have the end-to-end product set available. And as JP Morgan is a strong leader in the market on this, it's really set a good foothold for our clients now to start to move forward on the transition. And the reality is the more that the market knows about what the forward market will look like, the easier the transition becomes and the conversations with clients become much clearer. So it's been really, really helpful to get those deals out to the market. So Tom, so Chris talked about the development of lending markets as relates to SOFA and specifically around term SOFA. We're seeing a derivatives market come alongside that in CME term SOFA. But wanted to get your perspective. You know, if I'm a client, can I do a CME term SOFA swap? Are there limitations on that? You know, how's that broader market evolving? Yes. On the derivative side, term SOFA derivatives are only permissible to the extent that they are hedging a term SOFA cash product or a portfolio of, of term SOFA cash products. So according to the best practices that the ARC has laid out, but also, and very importantly, it's a condition of the CME licensing agreement that everyone needs to sign to be able to use the rate. So you know, there's very strict guidance there about how you can use it. Most of the inquiry that we've seen and the volumes that we expect are going to be loan market hedgers that are going to pay fixed in terms of SOFA. It's unclear at this point if we will see any offsetting receive fixed flows, but at any rate, it is ready to go. We are set up to trade today at JP Morgan. We have been working with some clients and we expect to be doing our first trades very, very soon. There are some challenges with this market. It will be a relatively small percentage of the market and you know, as I highlighted, it might be a little bit one way where, you know, there isn't an interbank market, there's not an ability for dealers to recycle risk. So the bank dealers will be holding the basis risk between term SOFA derivatives and compounded and rear derivatives. But, you know, that is what we do. You know, we do expect the market to be up and running very soon. Greg, can I just add something to that around the license piece that that Tom pointed out? So, it's very important that our clients and the market participants understand that they are expected to hold a CME license for the use of term SOFA. That's a really important point. There's been much discussion around whether they do or don't need that and, and how that particular rate will be used, whether they're calculating it, whether they're just receiving, et cetera. But I think it's important to highlight that the expectation is that clients will need that. They should certainly clarify that you know, with the CME, but the expectation is that clients will need a term SOFA license to use that longer term. No, it's a, it's a good point and a subtle one. So thank you for clarifying, Chris. 
This next question is, is for both of you. Maybe we'll start with Chris on this. Let's fast forward into 2022. Not far away. U.S. dollar LIBOR will continue on, as we know, through the middle of 2023. But as a client, as I look at next year, can I borrow or transact using these rates? You can transact in U.S. dollar LIBOR, but only for risk management and risk reduction purposes. So if we start on the, on the cash side first, because I think that's a much easier conversation. The short answer is no, you can't deal in US dollar LIBOR in 2022. The expectation is that all new dealing and all new loans should be at an alternate rate. There are many rates available. Um, there's been much communication from the various regulators around the globe on this particular point, and particularly from our, our US regulators, the OCC, the Fed, et cetera, where they've issued multiple elements of guidance on this point. And they've also made it very clear that they will monitor this very closely. From a bank perspective, for example, we are obliged to record all the different transactions that we'll do on US dollar LIBOR in 2022 and make sure that we are meeting the obligations under that guidance around that we are using them for risk management and risk reduction purposes. So from a trading perspective, yes, you can. And I'll certainly let Tom go into a little bit more detail about that. The point that we really want to emphasize here is that no new LIBOR dealing should be completed. And if there's a debate in your mind around is it new or isn't it new, really the default should be it is new and therefore you shouldn't be doing it. So I think that's really important to, to try and think about because there's, you know, there's been many market participants who ask for great clarity on this, but the regulators have provided about as much clarity as they, as they, as they are going to. So ultimately it's you as a market participant need to make that decision. But I can assure you from we as JP Morgan, we will um, abide by the guidance that's been provided by the regulators. In the derivatives markets as well, the mandate is very clear. No new LIBOR after the end of this year. And we will, of course, comply with that. The exceptions are for risk-reducing trades. So examples of that are LIBOR portfolios that are being converted to SOFR, trades that are being unwound, compression of portfolios of derivatives, which is quite common, or hedging fixing risks. So that's in our own portfolios or facilitating that for clients. So there will be legitimate LIBOR trading after the end of this year, but those amounts will be modest and declining over the course of 22 and certainly heading into 23 towards the secession date on June 30th of 23. It won't be feasible for bank dealers to really police what end users are doing. It's up for end user clients to make those representations and make sure that they are complying with the no new LIBOR mandate and answering to their own regulators as we're answering to the Fed, the OCC, the FDIC, et cetera. Thanks, Bo. So just to sum it up, though, no new LIBOR risk that is not otherwise limiting systemic risk starting at the end of this year. So basically in, in six weeks' time. So I think it's an important point that you know, no matter how much we put it out there, just can't say it enough. That's right. Maybe just turning to a couple of questions around tough legacy and, and you know, broader legacy deals. So Chris, maybe we'll start with you. There's been some development, in fact, today on synthetic LIBOR rates. So GBP and yen LIBOR will continue to publish on a synthetic basis. Can clients use these rates for new business that they do? And can legacy contracts leverage these rates as well? Yeah, let's start with the, the first question. And the answer is no. So these rates are what we call unrepresentative rates under BMR or benchmark regulations. So what that means is it means that they are not benchmark compliant. They are only there to facilitate the transition away from LIBOR and to ease the transition. So no new deals can be done, be they derivative or loans or any other securities, for example. So we should not expect to see any new deals executed using these synthetic level rates. What we can do and what this legislation provides for is 
the allowance of a, of a transition for up to 12 months. So if you've got, you know, for example, if you've got seven or eight or nine months left on your existing deal, then it might be easier to just let the deal flow using the synthetic LIBOR rates. And the synthetic LIBOR rates is the term rate plus the uh, the spread, the ISDA spread. So it'd be in, in the sterling market, it'd be term SONYA, and in the yen market, it's TORF, which is effectively the term TONAR rate. So the FCA have confirmed that they will allow them to be used up until for the next 12 months. Certainly, we know that the yen market will only have a synthetic level rate for the next 12 months. There is some debate about whether longer term we may still have a synthetic GBP rate, but the legislation is very clear that the FCA have the right to review that after 12 months and consider it at that point in time. So really what this is, is a push for all of the market participants. It's giving you an extra 12 months to allow a tran- an easier transition but you can't rely on this longer term. That's a really important point. And the FCA, again, have made it very clear in their guidance that they do not want to see effectively no action taken and everyone just sort of default for that. It's only about 3% of the market now that hasn't already signed the use of protocol or come up with a, a transition solution already. So it's a very small part of the market. And again, the FCA would like to make sure that that uh, is only used for a small portion of the market moving forward. So Although we, we have had some clients, we need to be open and saying we have had some clients who, who say that they won't necessarily remediate their documents and they'll just use synthetic liable. But that's more for the RCFs that we have out there, those revolving credit facilities where they have an option to draw in these currencies and they've decided actually it's easier that they just they hands off the keyboard, they won't do anything. And if they were to draw, then they could use this. But the reality is if they don't draw up until the end of the year, most of that documentation actually reverts to the new rates anyway. So there's a effectively a draw stop component built into a lot of those RCFs. So you can't actually use those rates that will actually it'll automatically convert you to a Sonya or to a to a Sarin in the Swiss market, et cetera. So there's a lot of inbuilt controls that are already in the market, but this will help for some of those securities in particular, which are a, a bit longer dated, where the ability to, to receive consent is much more difficult. So the ability to use synthetic libel for those legacy deals will help with the transition. So Tom, along the same lines, what do you say to a client that says, you know, I don't want to move to Sonia or to Tonar, I'll just stay on the synthetic LIBOR rate? Well, what I would say to them, it's important to remember that synthetic LIBOR will only last for one year. So clients will need to use 2022 to either unwind or restructure the trade or to add appropriate fallback language to a new rate within that time frame, Clients shouldn't assume that the problem is solved because we have synthetic LIBOR, but it's more a one-year breather to resolve some of these, um, some of these issues. And, you know, as Chris mentioned, we have Tonar, we have Sonia. These are good rates. It's, it's in your best interest to move forward, get onto these rates as soon as possible. Thanks, both of you. You know, that's the end of my question. So just before we wrap, I wanted to see Chris and Tom, if there's anything else that you feel is, is important to our listeners that we didn't get through today. The only other point that I, I think is worth talking about is the, the legislation in the US is progressing quite well. So we do hope that we also have some form of a synthetic LIBOR or effectively a, a legislative solution for our US dollar market. So that is progressing well. We don't have a date of when that may be um, formally approved, but the point is that the US market is also looking at a, at a similar type of solution, which we hope will be able available for the transition. But the scope of products is expected to be much less. It is expected to, to not include the derivative market, for example, uh, some of the loan markets. So that's just to, to be aware, but that is an ongoing process. And certainly in our next podcast, we'll be able to give a more detailed update on the progress of that. 
Yes, good good point on the federal legislation. I guess what I would add is, you know, as we try to say every time we do one of these things, time is short. There's only six weeks to go. We've seen a lot of transition. The products are all set. The dates are in place. There's no more uncertainty and the liquidity is there. So don't delay and encourage everyone to continue to, to transition as quickly as possible with the, with the end in sight. I think that's a good place to end it. Tom, Chris, thank you both for your time today and for, for sharing your perspectives as always. Thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that today's podcast was timely and informative. You know, as always, we want to make sure all of our clients feel knowledgeable on the issues and prepared for the transition to SOFR. So we want to ensure that you're connecting with your JP Morgan colleagues to understand the impact on your organization. So with that, thank you all again for joining us. We look forward to you joining us again the next time. And we hope you have a great rest of the day. This podcast is intended for institutional clients only and the views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JP Morgan Chase and Company and its affiliates together JP Morgan and do not constitute research or recommendation, advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. JP Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures. Thank you.